Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Magic and I are trying to build a team of interchangeable, versatile, positionless players. Kyle fits that for sure, and just really had an energy to his movement that we saw right away. Um, didn't have plodding feet or slow feet, but just a bounce. Um, and every time we hit him in an evaluation point, he confirmed that. going on everyone welcome to the lakers legacy podcast we hope you had a great memorial day weekend at the time of this recording the western conference and eastern conference game sevens have yet to occur i'm actually on the precipice of preparing myself right now for what is bound to be a very epic and monumental performance by lebron james and jordan clarkson in game seven at boston and uh, i'm expecting it to be very epic and very lit Speaking of epic and lit, though, this episode is going to be all of those things because we have longtime friend of the podcast and NBA draft scout Cole Zwicker on to talk about a slew of NBA draft related topics, but focusing mainly on the Lakers number 25 pick and the all the options this year and a lot of general overreaching aspects on the draft as well. So we had a really great in-depth conversation. I consider it more of a uh, palette teaser because this is the first time we're really getting into the NBA draft this season. So we hope you guys enjoyed the past two game sevens and are ready for the finals. And we hope that this episode can kind of get you even more excited about what's to come even after that point, because after that, it's uh, all Lakers offseason, all Lakers litness from here on out. So uh, 
Yeah. With that said, before I turn it over to my interview with Coles Wicker, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more skills trainers Brandon Ingram will continue to run through this offseason in order to find the best fit. And even if he doesn't find the best fit, that's how many skills trainers he'll be learning from and soaking in all of that knowledge from multiple different guys. And, uh, and that can only be a good thing. So please rate and review us on iTunes because, as you know, Brandon Ingram has been semi quote unquote off the grid this off season, but that's because he has been running this sort of American idol for skills trainers, I guess in hopes to find the right one. He has been sleeping around in terms of skills trainers. He's a skills trainers hoe this off season, but with regards to what he's learning and, uh, all the knowledge and input he's gaining, uh, I think in this respect, it's a good thing and something that'll help Brandon Ingram out this upcoming season. So whether or not he eventually nails on one, sorry, nails is the wrong word, or maybe it's the right word, who knows, whether or not he eventually hammers home who he wants to be, his sole NBA skills trainer, uh, I'm just glad that Brandon Ingram is getting all the tutelage he can get and all the perspective he can get from a number of different guys. So with that said, if you want him to continue doing that and continuing seeing all these different dudes, please rate and review us on iTunes. With that said, yeah, I'm going to turn it over to my talk with Cole Zwicker. Uh, as you know, the Lakers worked out Kevin Herter on Friday. There's a lot of buzz about Kevin Herter right now. I talk about Herter with Cole Zwicker, who he's really, really high on. And just some of my updated thoughts on Herter. I've, I've mentioned that he reminds me of a Kyle Korver or a playmaking Kyle Korver. Chandler Parsons, even though he's a tad bit shorter than Chandler Parsons and a tad bit less athletic. Uh, I think for me, the the high ceiling comp that I like to use for Kevin Herter is Mike Miller because Mike Miller, they're about the same build, 6'6", 6'7". He's not as athletic as Mike Miller, but he does possess sort of that all-around game that Mike Miller eventually ended up having in terms of being a great rebounder, being able to playmake a little. Mike Miller always averaged around three assists a game, but most of all, he is just a dead-eye shooter, kind of shoots like Clay Thompson when he's at a standstill off the hop. But actually, I think the most impressive part about Herder to me is his ability to shoot a variety of different jump shots and and mainly coming off screens regardless of whether or not his legs are flailing he's still able to get that jump shot off and shoot it cleanly because he gets such high and clean elevation in all of his shots and his shooting mechanics up top are so pure so it really doesn't matter what's going on with the bottom half of his body his legs could be flailing off of a screen and it really doesn't matter if you watch his all of his shooting videos that's pretty much what he does coming off screens even hitting the screener hitting guys it doesn't matter he's still able to cleanly get off that jump shot because of his elevation Pretty much what you see KCP doing off screens, Kevin Herter can actually do that and hit it. Those shots that KCP likes to take where half of his body still hasn't aligned itself, Kevin Herter does that, except he actually is able to convert those shots, unlike KCP. So Kevin Herter, very intriguing prospect. He still has Wednesday to decide whether or not he wants to return to Maryland. But right now, I think a lot of Lakers fans are hoping he stays in the NBA draft so that the Lakers can fill one need of theirs that is in dire lacking right now, which is the three-point shot, three-point shooting. Um, We'll see whether or not Kevin Herter can elevate his defensive game to become a Kyle Korverish type player, a Mike Miller type guy who isn't a liability on defense, who, who not only 
isn't a liability on defense, but can actually be a plus and contribute on that end as well. But right now I can see the allure of just getting a three-point specialist who can also do a little bit of this, a little bit of that in terms of playmaking and rebounding and just having the length as well. I think that 6'6", 6'7", frame is really what's going to set Kevin Herter apart from guys like Nick Stauskas, uh, Jody Meeks, uh, just those those smaller shooting guard type players in the world. Like even even Wayne Ellington, he's a great player. He's a solid contributor for the Miami Heat, but you can imagine how much better a player he would be if he had three inches on him, you know? So Kevin Herter at least has the size and the length. And uh, yeah, very intriguing to see um, whether or not he stays in the draft and whether the Lakers will pick him if he does indeed fall to the number 25 range. Uh, with that said, I'm going to turn it over now to my talk with Cole Zwicker. Hope you guys enjoy. Once again, Follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod and please rate and review us on iTunes. All right, we'll catch you guys later. We sat down with a picture of, of MVP and first team all NBA type players. We said, here was their body when they were 20. Here's their body when they were 23 and they became all stars or MVPs. What do you see in that transformation? And it was a commitment to the weight room and to getting strong. For us to succeed, Lonzo knows he's got to be able to physically take an 82-game season and then a playoff stretch. And to do that, he's got to improve his body. Um, so we, we challenged him there, and he's already in the weight room working on that. All right, so we are here with none other than one of our longtime podcast friends, Cole Zwicker. Usually I have a long, drawn, verbose intro to uh, set our guests up, but I think at this point his reputation precedes himself, although I will never hesitate to mention that we are the first podcast to reach out to Cole and have him come on, and even though I'm not an NBA talent evaluator, I think I'm pretty good at evaluating podcast talent because Cole and Pete Zayas at Laker Film Room, we were their first ventures into podcast land and now they're immensely more popular than we are. So I guess I did end up having a long overdrawn intro anyway. So Cole Zwicker, welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast once again. Hey, thanks for having me. I got a little nervous for a while until you guys required a pick at the trade deadline. <laughs> I didn't think I was going to come back, but uh, <laughs> as usual, man, thanks for having me. This is a third year in a row, so I appreciate it. Oh yeah, we appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us your knowledge, especially this year because as you mentioned, because we don't have a lotto pick, I think we got into all of our typical draft scouting a little later in the year. So we're a little, at least with regards to the Lakers legacy, we're kind of in the dark about the draft in totality this year. So I guess with that said, we can kind of just jump right into it. But before we do, why don't you quickly just uh, plug your most recent ventures right now? Because you are very popular. Um, this is your season right now, heading into June. This is uh, hunting season for you. So uh, why don't you go ahead and plug yourself real quick before we get started? Sure. Um, so I write and I co-founded the Stepian.com. It's a new draft site that has been launched since probably November, I think, early November. So I just wrote an article there on offensive takeaways for bigs in the playoffs and how that ties into how we evaluate draft prospects and how we should view bigs moving forward from a draft perspective. So that's just an example of the kind of work that we put on there. We have rankings. We have usually daily contributions from people as far as different articles related to the draft. I also do the Ode to Odin NBA Draft podcast with Sean Darenthal, and I frequently 
visit Sean or uh, Sam Vicini's Game Theory podcast. We do draft stuff. We do NBA stuff over there. So check that out. And I uh, appreciate the platform, man. Awesome. So yeah, I just recently actually listened to your episode with Sam, which was great, by the way, and you guys covered and recapped the NBA draft combine. I forget whether you were actually there in person or whether you were just closely observing what happened. But with regards to this year's draft, and you can touch upon what you observed in the draft combine as well. Obviously, we're still about what? a week or two away from locking in who exactly is going to be in this draft. But for now, how would you characterize this draft overall? Is it a little top heavy? Is it pretty much Luka Doncic, Aiton, and then the others? Or is it a pretty status quo draft? And um, throwing a lot of questions your way, but does it compare (laughs) to any other draft in recent memory to you? But I guess the general overall question is, I guess, yeah, what do you think of this draft or how would you characterize it? I like the top-level talent. It gets a lot of credit at the top with guys like Aiton, Luka Doncic. I think it's deeper than that as far as the quote-unquote all-star level talent. I like Jaron Jackson Jr. from Michigan State. He's actually my number two guy on my board. And I think like that second mm-hmm. tier goes basically all the way to like almost 12, maybe 11 for me. There's a lot of prospects that are really high-end. But I think the most underrated part about this class is the wing depth. There's a lot of wings yeah. in this class. We see a lot of guys that we don't normally see this many, 6'4", six, 6'6", six, six guys who can handle the ball. And that's going to really benefit the Lakers because a lot of these guys are going to fall to the 20s because every team is not going to draft a wing in the lottery. The, the top is mostly bigs. I think I have like six bigs in the top 13 or 14. That's just the way it played out this year. So that's going to push some of these wing guys down. So very deep at the top with bigs, deep as far as overall in the draft of wings. Yeah, I noticed that this is a pretty... Uh there's a dearth at the point guard spot this year outside of uh, Trey Young, I guess. And Luka Doncic pretty much is a ball handling point guard, not point guard, but guard slash wing. But I'm glad you mentioned the wing depth this year because I guess, what would you attribute that to? Do you think just the way that the league has gone in terms of valuing positional versatility and all of that, the the need and want for guys who can play defense, shoot threes, handle the ball... Do you think that's just a natural progression of where the NBA athlete is going, as well as a little combo of this is where the league has been going as well with the Golden State Warriors and just pretty much, uh, you know, interchangeability at every position? Exactly right. I think the demand for that kind of player is there. We see at the Lakers, that's something they really covet or those versatile two-way guys who aren't defensive liabilities. We see point guards getting headhunted, smaller guys in the playoffs consistently. So if you can get a bunch of 6'6 guys that are interchangeable, that's kind of where the league is at right now, which makes this draft kind of special in particular because just by happenstance, there's a lot of wings. I mean, I don't think that's a a response to the demand. I think that they're in higher demand, but the fact that there's so many of them, I just think is kind of happenstance. It's the kind of year it is. I, I don't think I've seen this many six, six, like six, five guys who can handle <laughs> the ball, shoot the ball, play a little defense. Last year was kind of similar. I think that the depth actually with both classes is pretty equal. You get like a Sterling Brown who I really liked at 40. I think he was 46 last year. Josh Hart, of course, I really like for the Lakers. So I think you're going to see a similar effect. Maybe they're not quite as effective as those guys, but I think they, there are strong arguments as to just, that a lot of these guys will be NBA players long-term. And that's just hard to get at the wing when you're getting into the 20s because I think what you started this off as, the demand for wings is so high, it's going to push those guys up the board. If you can get them in the late first round, early second round, that's huge value. Yeah, totally. I agree. And I think it's a good time for the Lakers, if ever there was a year, to lose out on their lotto pick and still have a late first rounder. This would be the year. And, you know, I'm always into these NBA trends and whatnot, but I guess recently, have you seen the tide kind of turning with regards to 
NBA teams, and maybe I'm like off on this, but I'm just thinking about how the Lakers have drafted in recently in the first round with regards to typically getting guys who are a little bit older, who have stayed in school yeah, for a little bit longer and maybe have less of a ceiling, but more of a floor. Do you think with like the Malcolm Brogdons, Josh Hart's, Kyle Kuzma, Larry Nance's of the world that teams have started to gravitate more towards those guys and or has, has it just been pretty contextual year to year? Yeah, I think you might see a little bit more of a gravitation there because I've always thought that's kind of a market inefficiency is you devalue the older wings. When you look back across history, like Chris Middleton was an upperclassman. You you go across the board, Danny Green. There's a lot of value plays. Mo- I say most of the value plays in the draft are veteran wings, like upperclassman wings. So I have Jacob Evans from right. C- Cincinnati this year. He's in my top 20. He's a junior. I, I do think there's a little bit too much prejudice. And I get like all the analytics models, all the, the overall models devalue age like in, in their in their system. But I think that's an inefficiency. Like Josh Hart was a top 20 guy for me last year. I was pretty steadfast on that. And Mm -hmm. he should not have been there where he was, in my opinion, for the Lakers to select because he's just too good of a player. Hey, this is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network here to talk about keeps. So there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in, people. Now, I personally haven't started this, you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it, and they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes, now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair, and you shoot it over, and a licensed physician will review the information, and recommend the right treatment to you, and then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month, uh, plus now you can get your first month free uh, to, to what? To keep your hair. So come on, what are we talking about here? To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. Right, right. Agree. Okay, so let's jump right into it. I have a few prospects I want to ask you about. So there are a lot of wings, guys who can are very versatile, can play defense, can shoot, can can handle the ball. Um, some of the some of their skills may lag behind others, but I think for the Lakers this year, uh, the fact that they don't have their lotto pick, something that they've been emphasizing a lot has been number one defense. Um, I think especially with what what we're seeing in the playoffs the past year, or especially this year, I think they just want a guy, especially if they become a competitive competitive contending team really quickly a guy that even if he's a rookie that they can just throw out there and they know just play defense use up your fouls and that should be good for us you know um we've seen guys like oh man i can't, can't believe i'm gonna say this guy but thon maker <laughs> og ananubi you know just guys who can play defense it doesn't matter whether they're raw or green if they can play defense and they've got that activity i think that's what the lakers are looking for regardless of whether or not they're young or they're a rookie so um with that said, I think that's why the uh, the large collection of wings are coming into play, especially at the number 25 spot for the Lakers. Initially, I had thought that because they don't have a lotto pick, that maybe number 25 would be their de facto lotto pick in terms of maybe they just swing for a young, high upside guy. Whoever's the youngest, whoever has the most potential at that spot. But looking more and more at who they're interviewing and what they've been emphasizing, I think they may just continue to go the same route they have been going, which, you know... 
their track record at the mid to late 20s the last few years have been um, phenomenal so I don't I guess I don't really see a reason why they would veer from that even without a lotto pick but with that said I wanted to talk I wanted to ask you about DeAnthony Melton 6'4 6'8 wingspan measurables don't really jump out of the page for you he was at USC two years ago can you tell me why people should get excited over a guy who hasn't played who's a year removed from playing college basketball and then the one year he was at USC he only averaged 8.3 points, 4.7 rebounds. He did get 3.5 assists, which is pretty impressive. One block, 1.9 steals. Like Those are pretty cool numbers, the peripherals, but why why should someone get excited about DeAnthony Melton, and why in particular do you think the Lakers may value his skill set? He has historically good instincts on both sides of the floor. For a smaller guard, a 6'4", 6'3", guy, he reminds me of Marcus Smart as far as instincts go. He's not as mm-hmm. obvious, doesn't have the girth that Marcus Smart has, but very, very high level on that end. We're talking like a generational kind of team defender, but he can also really defend point of attack, which is kind of something the Lakers need next to Lonzo Ball. Somebody to guard point guards who also fits in their scheme, knows how to play. I personally have him in the top 14, so he's a lottery guy for me. Mm. I love DeAnthony Melton. I've loved him. The entire his yeah. his entire career. Obviously, the FBI stuff this year. He couldn't play out of sight, out of mind. He did go to the combine, and we saw everything we loved about him. His freshman year was on display there, as far as getting in the passing lanes, had a ton of deflections, and he just knows how to play the game, man. And it comes down to a shot. He's working with Drew Hanlon, trying to iron out mechanics. So it's it's pretty fluid now. It's it's much better than it was his freshman year. I wouldn't call the overall shot process fluid, but he can hit. I think he hit a fadeaway shot off the dribble. Um, at the combine, he had a catch and shoot three. He gets good arc, which is promising. So if he can shoot the ball, mm-hmm. I think he's like one of the most high level, I guess, role player types that you could possibly get at twenty five. I think he he'd be an incredible steal. The size isn't ideal, but he does play bigger than his size. It just comes down to the shot. If he makes threes, he's going to be a role player in the league for a long time and a really impactful one, in my opinion. Yeah, so I was a USC Trojan fight on, by the way, but I had no idea who DeAnthony Melton was because I haven't been in the loop with regards to USC basketball because it's all about football there. But yeah, when I first heard of him, I was like, you know, without looking at any tape, researching any further, I was like, why are we getting excited over a guy who two years ago averaged eight points, four rebounds, three assists, and apparently can't shoot, shot 28%. And then I dug deeper into the tape and I was like, Okay, I get it. He's a tenacious defender, crazy at blocking shots and pinning balls to the glass. Yep. And then, like you said, his instincts, um, he, he has great instincts blocking shots from behind as well, even if he's beat. But I think the thing that stood out to me outside of all those things, because essentially when I saw how tough a defender he was, I was like, okay, so we got a Tony Allen type player. And then I saw that he was also a great playmaker with a great vision, especially in transition and a guy who likes to push the ball up the court and get it out of his hands quickly. And that's the type of player that I think the Lakers really covet. Josh Hart does a good job of doing that. Lonzo Ball does yep. a good job. Obviously, Lonzo Ball. But DeAnthony Melton, I was surprised by his his court vision and how smart he is, how unselfish he is. And I think that's the type of guy that the Lakers want as part of their culture, like a team-first guy. And you said Marcus Smart, but I like some other comps that I have in mind would be, you let me know if this is... um apt. I don't know how athletic he is. He he seems kind of athletic. He's not explosive, but maybe eventually at his peak, like an Andre Iguodala at the guard spot or like a, because he gets rebounds, he gets assists, he plays yeah. tough defense. 
um, or like an Andre Roberson with some playmaking ability, guys like that, right? Would you see his mold being in that range? That's really interesting. I mean, I think I get where you're getting at for sure. It's hard to compare six four guys to six six and six seven guys in the league just because right, it does right. make it. Di- it's like shooting, right? Like there's a big difference between JJ Redick and Kyle Korver. That three inches is huge, but I get exactly yeah, what you're yeah. getting at. Like the playmaking, I'm, I'm glad you sussed that out as far as having that feel level. He is a good passer, and if you want to watch tape on him, if the listeners want to go back and watch anything, watch him defend Markel Fultz. Um, his freshman year. That was a really, really fun matchup. Markel won a little bit because Markel was an awesome prospect, but Melton held his own, got a lot of steals in that game, really pressured him. So he's definitely the kind of guy I could see the Lakers gravitating towards. Good transition player, like you said, good hit-ahead ability, and he's just a general high IQ guy. Like He's one of the highest field guys we've seen on both sides of the court come in at the guard position in some time. Yeah, I saw his assist-to-turnover ratio his freshman year. It was like 3.5 assists to 1.8 turnovers, so that was pretty good. But yeah, you know, the 1.9 steals, one block, um, I'm super high on D Anthony Melton too and if we could somehow nab him at 25 I think that would be just the type of player that in a pinch if Lonzo Ball's injured or the Lakers somehow make the playoffs they could kind of just put him out there and not be too concerned about whether or not he's gonna you know freeze in the moment because I just think this guy's motor is is so high and he'll always bring the activity and defense so yeah D'Anthony Melton Uh, from USC. Last year removed, obviously, from any sort of basketball, but he is showing out strong at the NBA Draft Combine. Um, Next guy I wanted to talk to you about would be, this is a guy with actually good measurables, um, super athletic, I guess kind of raw. He did play three years in college, and I'm talking about Melvin Frazier, 6'6", 7'2", wingspan. Some of his plays, I uh, some of his jump out of the gym plays are incredible and kind of breathtaking. It reminds me of Kobe, some of the things he's been able to pull off. <laughs> Mainly this one play where he was out at the three-point line, dribbled it behind his back, and then just rose from just inside the free throw line and dunked it on two people. Uh, but yeah, this guy is crazy athletic. Um, his junior year, he averaged 16 points, six assists, uh, sorry, six rebounds, three assists, 2.1 steals. Uh, somehow... In a limited amount of makes, he did raise his three-point percentage to 39%. So for you, do you see him becoming like a potentially an athletic 3 and D type player? It's difficult to say just because I don't really trust the shot. He has nothing off movement, mm-hmm. and that's what I look for from Wings. Can he shoot the ball with any kind of movement, like off a down screen or off a flare action? He's basically a catch-and-shoot guy, and he hasn't really been proficient at that. I mean, this recent season like you noted kind of escalated a little bit and statistically a lot of guys look at that as a red flag like if your if your production jumps as an upperclassman in one year as a shooter it people view it skeptically. So I'm not high on his shot necessarily, but if he does shoot, he's going to be super valuable. I mean, at the late first round, he, he's a freak athlete. I mean, on ball, he's one of the best on ball defenders in this class by a good margin. He has that twitch mm-hmm. ability. He has the size. He has the length. He can really compete. I'm not a sold on him off the ball. Like As far as making decisions, he's not a very good team defender, but if you switch everything, I think he'll be effective in that role. He does have some playmaking ability. He can put the ball on the floor a little bit, which you don't see from guys like him. Overall, he just kind of reminds me of like a more athletic Iman Shumpert, that kind of player. Mm. Uh, he definitely has more balance and he's a better athlete, but Iman Shumpert as a prospect was actually a pretty damn good athlete too, but that's kind of the conceptually the player. It's all about does he shoot it at a high level? Um, because that's what matters the most from wing spots, right? If you're offensively, if you don't have the ball all the time, you need guys who can shoot the ball first and foremost, then the playmaking comes after that. But I can see the allure here. Again, high-level athlete, good on-ball defense. You just hope the shot progresses. Where do you think he'll eventually land pick-wise? I think... 
conservatively, I would say probably 25 to 40. I could see anywhere in that range. Okay. I would be a little surprised if he went higher. Maybe I could say super conservatively and say 20 to 40. Like he won't go higher than 20, but uh, 20 to 40. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, so next prospect I want to ask you about, and this is a guy who is very popular amongst Lakers Twitter. I'm sure you already know. 18-year-old John Tay Porter. <laughs> yeah. We don't know if he's actually going to stay in the NBA draft pool or whether he'll return. Yeah, I guess what what can you tell me about John Tay Porter? Obviously, he's a. When I first saw him, I was like, "Oh, this this dude's big. Uh, he's six eleven, but he's also kind of hefty. Uh, he's got some size to him. Not uber athletic, but he can block some shots. And his biggest attribute, obviously, would be being able to shoot and also play make as well. He has an all around game as a big. And um, for whatever reason, I saw Troy Murphy because of his shot. It just kind of looked like Troy Murphy. Yeah. But then as I got to see the more of his game. I think I saw a Boris Diaw comparison at his peak, maybe uh, some Brad Miller, pretty much any guy who's slow but could facilitate an offense and <laughs> shoot the ball as well. Uh, so yeah, what are your thoughts on Jonte Porter? He's the most skilled five man in the class of anybody, including the elites. Like he can dribble, pass, and shoot at a higher level. He, his shot mechanics are fantastic. He shoots like a guard. You don't often see those mechanics mm. with a big, makes quick decisions, a very, very skilled passer, but he's also a really good ball handler. Like He can bring the ball up the court legitimately. He has dribble moves like crossovers behind the backs. He's very comfortable with the ball, mm. so he can initiate your offense. There's a ton of offensive upside with him. He's just out of shape. He, he had the highest body fat percentage coming to the combine, like 14%. He's really young, so I think there's a market inefficiency with guys like that. We've seen guys who are out of shape. Nikola Jokic, Marcus Gasol, Draymond Green, all of those yep. guys were quote unquote fat coming into the draft process. <laughs> and that's kind of Jonte too. He has to get in better shape, but he does have defensive instincts. He's very good positionally. He's better feet than he gets credit for too. He's just not very long as far as wingspan and he doesn't jump. Like he's not a leaper. It's all basically ground bound mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. But as, if you want a perimeter five who can shoot the ball uh, and dribble and pass, you're not going to get any better than him in this class. So he, there's a lot of good things going for him. I have him, again, I have him in my top 12. So this is another guy that I'm a very big fan of. Yeah, and I think the thing that surprised me the most was, I mean, he's already pretty tall. I, I don't know if he's legitimately 6'11". He could still grow. He's only 18, obviously. But I think, like we said, and it might be just be due to him being out of shape, but he just, I think his body build, he just has some girth to him and he has some heftiness to him that if you really mold that body, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting seeing someone that big just do the things he's doing out on the perimeter from shooting to playmaking and and all that stuff. So I think that's why he's pretty intriguing to me as well. At this point, do you think he's going to stay in the draft or? I mean, now it seems like he's leaning towards returning to school, even though it seems like he'd be a top 35 pick. So before we all thought he was coming out, right? When he said he was even interested because we expected him before just to go back to school if he wasn't interested in the draft at all. So it's a toss up. It's 50-50 right now. Him and Kevin Herter are the two guys that we're still kind of waiting on. Mm. Yeah, why don't we quickly touch on Kevin Herter as well? I saw that he he showed up pretty well. So yeah, what, what, what do you have to say about Kevin Herter? I think he's like 6'9". He's like a... At his peak, maybe a Mike Miller, Chandler Parsons type player, shooter, can also has a pretty good all-around game. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Kevin Herter if he does stay in the draft? And would he be a pretty good pick for the Lakers? Obviously, the main concern would be, can he actually play defense and is that translatable? Because obviously, I think his shot will translate very easily to the NBA. 
Yeah, he's kind of the inverse of Melvin Frazier. He has all the strengths that Melvin Frazier has weaknesses. He's an incredible shooter. He can shoot off movement with backward momentum from 30 feet. He, If you squint, he looks like Clay Thompson. I'm not saying he will be, obviously, but 6'7 <laughs> with a 6'7 wingspan or so. He was listed at 6'9, but I think they corrected that at the combine. Everybody was like, oh my God, it's mm-hmm. a 6'9, 6'10 shooter. <laughs> it's like, nope, he's just 6'7, but it's still great size for a wing. Um, he's He's got good feet on defense and he knows where to be. I'm a fan of his overall defensive ability, but he, he profiles more towards an average kind of defender, which is really valuable with the offensive skills that he brings. He can put the ball on the floor at the combine. He was showcasing really quick decision-making that really stood out from the group. Really nice wraparound passes. He knows how to play. It's kind of guard skill, which is something that is going to alert. It's going to attract the Lakers. I think as a player like that, it can really shoot off movement as well. So I'm a huge fan of him. Again, I have him as a top 14, top 15 guy. So every guy we're talking about, I think is a really big value. And I'm a little more skeptical on Frazier. <laughs> With regards to the other guy that a lot of Lakers fans have been looking at that kind of compares pretty well to um, Herter is uh, Dante Diff... I don't even know how to say it. Dante DiVincenzo? <laughs> DiVincenzo, yeah. <laughs> Di- DiVincenzo, there you go. How does he compare and are they similar players and do you have one pegged higher than the other? I think I trust Herter's ability to shoot off movement a little bit more. He's a little taller. And Dante, I can't remember what his wingspan measurement was, but I don't remember being over 6'7". But he is stockily built. Mm. He's, got a, he's got a wide frame. He's strong, underrated athlete. I mean, the the vertical that he posted, all these guys are off two feet. So you have to remember that these when they load up. And that gives them more right. time to jump, more power. I think... Honestly, they should test quickness off the floor for vertical because that's like a guy like Zaire Smith mm-hmm. who can just get up immediately. So that's a different kind of leaping ability. But Dante, to me, I mean, he has the similar traits that are positive to Herder, but he's not as big. He's not quite as good shooting off movement, but he's ultra confident. The guy has all the confidence in the world. I mean, he's the MJ of Delaware, apparently. So that's that's a real thing that exists. <laughs> um, so cool. He can definitely make a shot. Right, but I see him more as like a long-term backup kind of instant offense guy who can just get hot. He can put the ball on the floor a little bit in straight lines, but I think Herder has a better all-around game. Gotcha. Cool. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season, and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Um, so some of the the prospects that the Lakers have worked out, I wanted to ask you about everybody or a lot of people know about Keita Bates Diop, uh, KBD, but what are your thoughts on him? Obviously he's a, he's an older prospect, but yeah, I wanted to get your, your thoughts on him. He is somewhat of a tweener, I guess. Is it, is he a good tweener or a bad tweener in your, in your eyes? That's a great question. That's one I think about a lot. Um, <laughs> he's not a great athlete. That's the thing that people overrate with him. Like he's super long, but he's not a leaper. So he's gotten some Luke Richard and Bob Mute comp comparisons but a better shooter he's not nearly Mm -hmm. the athlete that Luke was as a prospect so I think he's more of like a four undersized five maybe you could play him at the five in some lineups but he doesn't really protect the rim at that high level because again he's not he's not a jumper so he can contest with length offensively I kind of trust his shot mechanically even though again we see a late career guy develop from three you kind of remain skeptical like Jay-Z Majlis who writes for us is pretty skeptical of his shot just from a 
historical standpoint. I'm a fan of the mechanics, but again, he's not a great passer. And what you looked at when you looked at his tape at Ohio State, a lot of his tape was difficult shot making. And do you want him doing that at the next level? That's kind of my issue with him. So I'm a little bit more skeptical, but he definitely has his fans. Like I know some sites have him top 16 or so, see him as that impactful of a guy. I'm just not, I don't look at his game and see what does he do at a high level at the next level. I don't see, think he's going to be ultra switchy because he doesn't have that quick twitch athleticism. So I don't know. I, I, he does a lot of things well, but I don't see what one skill wins over. Right. That's fair. And I mean, I guess the one thing that stands out would be his length and how lanky he is, yeah. his wingspan 7-2. But yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of hard to to peg him down. And I guess at, at right right now, if you're a murky tweener, that's T- tends to be you're a bad tweener. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, but yeah, um, so the next guy I wanted to ask you about would be, um, I don't know how much you know about Mitchell Robinson. He used to be a five-star recruit, um, withdrew from his commitment uh, in college uh, last year, uh, hasn't played a year of uh, basketball as well, just like uh, D'Anthony Melton, but he is uh, one of the most exciting high upside prospects this year. The Lakers have quote-unquote been linked to him because apparently he got a promise and withdrew out of the combine as well uh seven foot one uh, i think seven seven two wingspan yeah five-star recruit chalmette high school in louisiana withdrew from western kentucky he's 20 years old um he is super super athletic and he's got a jump shot to him DeAndre Jordan with a shot, maybe? I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> issues plague him. He might just be, for the Lakers fans, they know this, he might just be the more athletic version of uh, Robert Upshaw 2.0. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Mitchell Robinson and uh, if the Lakers can nab him at 25, would that be a pretty good steal? Or is there just too much mystery surrounding him right now? I think at that point in the draft, it's fine to take a risk. I, he, his upside, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Clint Capella. I'm not sure if he can switch like Clint mm-hmm. can, but as far as... I've only seen him in really all-star circuit plays, so a McDonald's All-American game. He's a great leaper. He's a dynamic lob threat, and he can really change ends. So I can see the allure of the Lakers because they want to get up and down. That's the first thing. I always look at half-court offense, but with the Lakers, it's like what they want to do is utilize Lonzo in transition, <laughs> hit aheads. This guy could run the floor. He can change ends in a way that Jonte mm-hmm. Porter certainly cannot. So that's a different it's a different kind of center but he's more of a rim runner type like I know he flashes the ability to shoot and dribble and workouts from what I've seen I don't know if that's real I don't know if you want him doing any of those mm-hmm. things it's more of like the just somebody's messing around in the gym or whatnot but I honestly don't have a great feel on him obviously because we haven't seen him <laughs> at the college level but I do think he has right. a, he has alluring traits but to me he's more of a play finisher type but he can be a dynamic lob catcher and I think that's what you want to utilize him for and Mike Gribbenoff who also writes for the step in watches all these guys in AAU and he had both Mitchell Robinson and Jaron Jackson as the best rim protectors in this class coming into the year and you can see what Jaron oh, wow. you can see what Jaron Jackson has done in that capacity so I kind of trust his input here so Mitchell Robinson can protect the rim and is a rim runner so I get what you're saying about DeAndre Jordan that's kind of the comparison I used in the past I don't think he's quite as physically developed or doesn't have that kind of frame but maybe a skinnier version of that okay cool um next what about Josh Okoji who did pretty well at the draft combine too yeah, what's your comp for him? The, 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 from what I've seen, he seems to dunk everything. He's small, but very sturdily built. Pretty good playmaker. I've seen some Eric Bledsoe-ish comparisons. But yeah, what, what are your thoughts on Akoji? Well, first of all, you pronounced Akoji right. We've been saying Akogi for five months. So first time, oh. there you go, man. That's <laughs> incredible. Uh, 
Kogi barbecue is pretty good. <laughs> there you go. Um, I don't know about direct comparison. I don't think he has the handle of an Eric Bledsoe. I don't think he's quite that athletic. Mm-hmm. This is another distinction between a guy who can really load up off two feet. When you see a Koji dunk, it's mostly when he has time to gather and he can really explode it off two. He's actually not that good of a finisher if he jumps off one, especially in traffic. Like He just slows down a lot, so he's got a lot to work on there, but really, really good horizontal lateral athlete defensively. Like He's a guy who can really switch with that frame 210, seven-foot wingspan. I like him there and that kind of system, but the, the basketball IQ leaves you wanting a little bit. He's still playing. He plays mm. without himself. I mean, he plays outside of himself. Georgia Tech was a terrible situation so he should get some credit for that in college but offensively you got to trust his shot which is a little deliberate as far as you can impact it it's a little slower it's not like Herder where it's like off a screen he's shooting right away so he's got to work on that a little bit he can put the ball on the floor he has some anticipation as a passer I'm not sure what his main offensive skill is I see him more as a developmental type big but I'm probably gonna end up with him in the top 20 or so just because he does project as a two-way player and I do trust his ability to really switch he he's one of the best lateral athletes that has strength in this class on the wing. Hmm. Okay, cool. Um, next, so we also profiled this player a couple podcasts ago, and it was kind of disappointing to see how invisible he was at the Combine and how poorly he fared. But uh, what are your thoughts on Shake Milton? Um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that and let you <laughs> <laughs> let you kind of give your opinion on Shake Milton, who I was really intrigued by because of his length and his shooting ability. Um, but yeah. That's exactly right. I mean, that, that's the two alluring qualities. And man, he was really disappointing at the combine. We've seen him, though, this year. He struggles to apply his length and his general size on the floor. He matched up with Melvin Frazier earlier this year. Frazier just absolutely locked him down. He just can't create space. So he's basically an off-ball shooter, but he's a knockdown shooter. Like He's one of the best shooters in the class as far as being able to come off a little bit of movement. He's great off the catch. He can shoot off the dribble if you chase him off the three-point line. He's just not very athletic, and he's kind of on the narrower side. I don't see him switching a ton with his build. He's kind of a lankier build, even though I think he's 207 pounds or something like that. So I don't know what exactly he does at the next level that's effective outside of shooting. He's not going to be that effective as a switch guy. He doesn't have that kind of lateral athleticism. He knows how to play, but he's not going to do enough with the ball to really play point guard like he did at times at SMU. So I'm lower on him. I have him Mm -hmm. in the second round. So he's a guy I would consider there. I don't know if he's a first round guy for me. Gotcha. Okay, quick hits. Uh, Chandler Hutchinson, we're not sure if he's gotten a promise as well, um, but he looks to be a very fluid wing to me. At times, he looked a lot like Kyle Kuzma with regards to his finishing and soft touch in the lane, especially in transition as well. He just got some very nifty, nifty moves down there and just seems to be an overall very dynamic and fluid player. So yeah, what are your thoughts on Hutchinson? It's funny you say that because the first time I saw Hutchinson, that's exactly who I thought of was Kuzma, the ability to attack closeouts and the fluidity nice. that he shows there. Like I think he's maybe a little bit more of a long strider, but that same fluidity popped for me. But then you look at his game more. I don't trust him defensively. I don't think he has a great IQ as far as mm-hmm. off-ball defense. He's a little bit of a narrow build. I don't really know how well he's going to switch. His technique is just really raw on defense. And then offense... It's hard for him because he started out his career two years and his shot was really poor. Then he started working with Damian Lillard, shooting coach, and he has made progressions the last two years. But I'm not sure if I trust that enough. I don't see him as a dynamic. I know he has a lot of assists and he has a lot of rebounds and he contributes across the board. But when you break his independent play down, he's not very shifty with the ball as far as beating guys one-on-one. It's more like 
off of screens, which the Lakers would really utilize if he could fly off a pin down or something and then curl into the lane. I think that's where he's best because then he can utilize his agility there. But it really comes down to the shot because I don't trust the defense enough to draft him in the first round. But he has dynamic ability, agility-wise, attacking the rim. If he can shoot, he can definitely attack closeouts, and I think that's where his value comes from. Cool. All right. What about Hamadou Diallo? Lots of potential, lots of upside. Six five, seven foot wingspan. Could he potentially be one of these coveted, switchable guys who can really play some defense? And is is there a shot there to be found? I mean, in fantasy land. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I mean, he should have came out last year. I, I'm disappointed. I, I, I wish he would have, even though it wouldn't have been good for him long term. He probably would have just fled out of the league. But we saw all of the issues with him this year be exploited. The skill, he's not that great of a functional athlete. The technique defensively is really raw. He's a developmental guy. Like If you took him late second round or mm-hmm. mid second round, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that. He's not a first round guy. I would never touch him in the first round. <laughs> he just doesn't have enough skill. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't trust the shot. I don't trust the defense. He's a in theory, he's a great athlete, but it's more of a run-and-jump athleticism instead of a functional athleticism on both sides of the floor. Gotcha. Okay. Um, last few here. What about Kevin Hervey? So he's a senior. He's torn both of his ACLs, but he's very intriguing because of his skill set. 6'8", 7'4", wingspan, super long. Um, can defend multiple positions, hits contested jumpers off the dribble. Pretty tantalizing, but... Obviously, there's risks there with his uh, health and the fact that, well, I guess he's a senior, but that seems to be right in line with the types of players that the Lakers have been looking at recently at that spot. So yeah, what are your thoughts on Kevin Hervey? I like the jump shot. The intersection with that and his size and his length is really alluring. We saw at the combine, he and I think it was the second scrimmage game where he just made a ton of threes and he could shoot a little bit off movement, can shoot off the dribble a little bit, shoot over the top, which is really, you know, that's a useful skill to have. I just worry about, I mean, one, I think he's going to get medically red flagged. So I guess we'll leave that out of the conversation mm-hmm. for now. But defensively, he looks like he's super switchable, but he's not that physical. He plays with a low motor defensively. If you watched him at Texas Arlington, I think I probably cut four games this year and he just didn't try hard enough. And I don't know if he's that quick twitch laterally. Mm-hmm. I think he's more of a straight four, which in the second round is fine. I think you can take a gamble on that guy. If he shoots, he can be a, a bench player, but I don't know how switchable and how versatile he is. So that's where he gets knocked down for me. Gotcha. All right. I know you're a supreme expert in this next guy. <laughs> Your thoughts on Abu Dushalamu Abu Dureksiti Exidi, Chinese prospect. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I, I was I going to say, that's the first time <laughs> I've got nothing on a podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the Lakers did work that guy out. I have no idea what he can do, but I just know that if, if he was a Laker next year, you'd probably have to buy two jerseys in order to fit his name, his entire name onto, uh, yeah, onto the jersey. So you'd probably get more sales that way. There you go. Um, my last question would be, or my last prospect, I guess, would... Do I have a last prospect? Sorry, I'm looking through my notes right now. I guess my last question to you would be, knowing what the Lakers are coveting right now, which is, I guess, what everybody's coveting, but defense switchability first and foremost, um, in a perfect world at the Lakers number 25 spot, who would be the guy that, let's just say whoever you're thinking of um, is available at that spot or is in the current range that the Lakers are picking? Who would be like the best get for you, in your opinion? I know it's hard to say right now, especially because we're still you know, only in May and guys haven't fully committed yet. But right now, 
given how things stand and the range at which you feel like guys are going, like who would be like a great pick for the Lakers there? One guy we haven't talked about that could fall this far. I'm not sure if he will is Troy Brown out of Oregon, six seven wing mm-hmm. with ball skills, can pass the ball. He was a high school point guard. Um, the shot is a little bit of an issue, but it doesn't look broken. He gets some Evan Turner comps, but I think he's a little bit more athletic than Turner was. But he's super young and he has supreme ball skills and he knows how to play basketball. Like that guy can make reads out of pick and roll. He's got perimeter skill. He would be an awesome pick at 25. I don't know if he'll fall. Apparently, he's been making some mechanical adjustments to his jump shot. So if we see that, if the Lakers see that in workouts, that's going to be a big opportunity if he falls that far. I don't think he will. So best case scenario, I, I mean, mm-hmm. Jacob Evans is another guy I love from Cincinnati. Not as much upside, but just really like like you were talking about, like you know what you're getting with him as far as a veteran player who can shoot and really defend in the team construct. It'd be between him. Josh Okoji is another guy, like I, we've already talked about. I would be fine with him there. Those are the wings that stand out, unless Kevin Herter comes in. I think that Kevin Herter I would have over all of these guys, frankly, outside of DeAnthony Melton. Mm-hmm. So it's Melton 1, Herter 2, Troy Brown 3, and then I have Jacob, Jacob Evans 4, Josh Okoji 5. So one of those guys, if you're going wings, if you're going bigs, I think I like Jonte Porter the most, and he might be my favorite guy out of all of those guys overall, but one of those six guys. <laughs> Mm, Very interesting. My last question to you for tonight would be, let's just for fun say the Lakers kept their number 10 pick. Um, Who would you go at number 10 for the Lakers that that you think would fit perfectly into their scheme and system? Oh man, that's a great question. Because t- number ten, <laughs> number ten, you could be looking at a potential high pro- high end prospect. Because I think Wendell Carter could right. fall to ten. Wendell Carter would be awesome with the mm-hmm. Lakers. He's real good. I mean, a little bit of space defense concerns, but he does, I think, justifiably get some Al Horford comparisons because he has no weakness on offense. He can shoot, pass, and dribble. Really quick decision maker. I would love him on the Lakers. Trey Young would be super fascinating just from an entertainment standpoint because they have <laughs> more of that primary creator, but that doesn't seem to be the direction the Lakers are going as far as wanting guys with positional size who can switch. So outside of that, Mikhail Bridges, Miles Bridges, both those guys could play the wing. They can shoot off movement. They can play defense. Mikhail's more of a team defender. Miles is more of a switch defender. Miles being the stronger one, 220. Both those guys would be fun. Best player to me that would be available potentially is Wendell Carter. So I would go with him there. But uh, there's a bevy of options. I think that you you could see Colin Sexton go higher in the draft. I'm not a huge fan of his. So Mm -hmm. that might push a better player down. Cool. Well, good luck to all those guys in process land. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, the Lakers are in a good spot at the number 25th pick. And um, we'll see what they do with the the number 47th. And maybe that becomes their high upside swing. But Cole, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Maybe we'll have you down the line once once the dust settles. And uh, maybe you can give us a recap of the draft and give us a grade on how the Lakers did and whatnot after after the draft in June. So thank you again for joining us on this kind of... uh, palette teaser with regards to the draft especially as lakers fans this year with regards to the lakers legacy we're not as in tune to everything but it's nice to kind of catch up and have some resources like you kind of filling in the gaps for us so thank you for joining us and once again if you want to plug anything go ahead and do so no just again thanks for having me and uh It'd be fun to come back on and talk recap because the Lakers have been absolutely eviscerating the draft recently. So <laughs> I'm sure listeners will want to hear that. But again, you can visit thestepian.com for our work there, the Ode to Odin NBA Draft podcast and the Game Theory podcast. But uh, as usual, man, third year in a row. Thanks again. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks, Cole. We'll catch you later.
This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more pain. Yeah, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.